This is Ryan Bell from the Life After God podcast, and I never listen. I mean, why would I listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore? I mean, that's the competition. You need to listen to Life After God. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. Hey there. Thank you for joining us on this 176th episode of I Doubt It with Dalamore. I am your host, Jesse Dalamore, and sitting across from me, very aggravated that we didn't start much earlier, my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. Well, don't say that every time. I mean, that's just going to get old. <laughs> well, you just seem maybe not aggravated, but you seem, and I wouldn't say at the end of your rope, maybe it's just you're seeming like you really wish we would have done this a lot earlier. I actually am feeling none of those things, so <laughs> I feel like you're projecting. I'm projecting. Mm-hmm. Now, that very well could be. Yes. It is good to be back. It always... When we skip an episode, we didn't skip an episode per se. We did our Thanksgiving episode last last time. But every time we skip an episode, like don't do news, news, it uh, it always throws a monkey wrench in because all kinds of crazy shit goes down and we don't have an opportunity to talk about it. So it makes the, the subsequent episode stack up. Mm-hmm. So... Here we are. This is uh, we're going to try to not make this one a crazy long one, and uh, we will kind of just punch through, put our heads down, and drive ahead. Does that sound like a a workable plan? That sounds like a great plan. All right. So before we do though, I do want to thank everybody who took part not only in the listening aspect of our Thanksgiving, our second annual Thanksgiving show. But also the the submissions and the feedback we've gotten uh, as a result of the episode after the episode. It was it's been very touching. We really appreciate all the kind words. That is that is. I mean, I, I want to say that's quickly becoming something we really enjoy. But it's you know it's our second one in our second year. <laughs> but it's it. I think it's going to be something we look forward to every year because it's just so goddamn good. Yeah, and I already want Thanksgiving to be here again, so we can do it again. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a good time, and we have gotten a lot of good feedback on it. So I'm happy that other people enjoy it just as much as we do. So it's not just us, <laughs> you know, enjoying it for ourselves. Everybody is enjoying it. Yeah, well, that's always a bonus that other people appreciate it. Mm-hmm. But you know, if if I'm appreciating it, then yeah, it's good, uh, good, uh, good to go. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. So thank you very much. We appreciate it. Before we get started, let me drop the phone number, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone or just shoot us a regular email to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We would love you to join us on Facebook, to follow us on Twitter. And if you have a spare two minutes, go rate and review the show on iTunes. If you are one of our new listeners who have not yet done that, 
that's kind of a rite of passage, is it not, Brittany Page? It really is. <laughs> that would be awesome. It really does help us. And it's you really taking part to, to help us get the show in front of new people because it bumps us up in all of the searches and, um, you know, the, the super secret iTunes algorithm that they have going there. So help us out. Do that. We would appreciate it very, very much. So I forgot to say news after you said news. So I'm just saying it now. Better late than never. <laughs> right, Jeremy Henson? Uh, inside jokes probably aren't good for the show. They, re- they really aren't because I don't even know what's going on. So Anyway, we have an email. Let's start our follow-up segment with an email from a listener. This is the other part of not getting to... We covered that Nigeria had made illegal recently female genital mutilation. It is now against the law, which is a tremendous, um, very momentous thing that has happened. And hopefully it will, uh, it's probably going to take a little time relative to, you know, affecting the culture there. But, you know, given a generation or so, we'll probably see steep, steep declines in the barbaric practice of female genital mutilation. We got an email in response to our story, and we want to read that. Jesse and Brittany, first, I greatly enjoy your program, pronounced with a U where the A lives. <laughs> I wish to draw attention to a double standard recently highlighted in the Monday, pronounced with the... Monday. Yes, where the Pro- A... Program and Monday. Yes, where the A lives. Um, <laughs> this we, is, we this have, is a bit much. We have real good listeners. Okay. Uh, that was from the... And I don't mean that sarcastically. I think the, they are awesome and funny and insightful. And now let me stop s on the, the listeners D and move on with uh, the, the email. This is from the November 23rd show. The parting words were a shout out to Nigeria for taking care of biz by outlawing female genital mutilation. This is fantastic news, especially for everyone in Nigeria who was born sans penis. What about those who were, however, born with an Audi set of genitals instead of an innie? Why, oh why, oh why, they got bigger, I guess I should have gotten louder, is there such outrage regarding the chopping off of lady bits whilst man bits are sacrificed to invisible cultural forces in a routine manner. How can it be such a crime for vulvas and clitorises, is it clitori, Adam, to be removed? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Yet the truncation of foreskins draws barely a sideways glance. It baffles me that such glaring hypocrisy blights our collective minds. Please help me understand the reason it's acceptable to mutilate boys at birth, but girls should be protected from the same. After all, I thought part of the modern mindset is that men and women are equals or peers. How about we extol the same virtue for their genitalia? Keep on moving the conversation forward. Regards, Adam. Thank you very much for the email. And listen, I I really do enjoy when we get emails that aren't rah-rah, that are somewhat, you know, um, that are, are filled. I don't know filled if filled is the word, but they contain... A, a dissident opinion. I like that. Mm-hmm. And this is one such email. Adam, the reason, and first of all, let me say this, I guess. 
I absolutely agree that uh, male circumcision is a weird, it's a weird thing. It is odd. It's completely arbitrary. It's something that the Jews started. I'm, maybe they ripped it off from somebody else, but it's, uh, it's bizarre. There's no need for it. As far as I can tell, as far as I can understand, there's no medical basis for it that we've been able to contrive over the course of the 3,000 or 6,000 years that it's been being practiced by the Jews. But here's the difference between female genital mutilation and male genital mutilation. Is every time I've ever had sex, Adam, this might be a little bit more information that you were looking for, but every single time, guaranteed, like clockwork, I have an orgasm when I have sex. Without, oh, and I, I guess I, I don't want to... This is getting real personal, everybody. <laughs> I, I wasn't prepared for this. I, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to fail to mention that I am circumcised as well. And every <laughs> single time... We are getting lots of deets. Without fail, I have an orgasm. And that's not the case for women who are genitally mutilated barbarically well, wait a practice. minute. That's not even the case for w- women. So that's that's the whole issue, right? So most women cannot orgasm through intercourse alone. That's I think it's I don't know the numbers. You you actually probably do, but I would assume it is a vast vast number who are unable to climax without having a clitoris. Well, it's not even without having, just th- think of all women. Just think of women, normal women that haven't had, haven't I, gone through that. I do a lot. Okay, well, you're, you're jumping right to the female genital mutilation. Let's not jump there yet. Okay. Let's just talk about women who haven't ha- had that experience. Women who have all of the parts. Yeah. Um, I've, I've heard a lot of estimates, but all of the estimates I've heard is the majority of women cannot orgasm through intercourse alone. Now, that means they need... Some sort of stimulation stimulation. on their clitoris. And this APA article I'm looking at from 2011 says that only about 8% of women reliably have otherwise unassisted orgasms during penile vaginal intercourse, while nearly all men do. So this is saying only about 8%. So so let me me extract here. 92% of women from this American Psychological Association article... 92% cannot have an orgasm without a little good times on on the clit. Yeah, so, but I've seen, you know, like 75% of women um, can't. I've seen other numbers, but usually they hover around 60 to 75. It's 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 an enormous number. So this 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 is the majority of women. Okay, so when you're talking about female genital mutilation and you're talking about removing the clitoris, you're talking about rendering a woman unable to have an orgasm. Now, that's a huge difference. And I think that that this stuff gets lost in the conversation. One, because I don't think a lot of people are educated about female orgasms and kind of how it works. I think that these stats are likely surprising to a lot of people who are listening. Mm Mm-hmm. And so people don't know that. Well, this is not even to go into the fact that that kind of trauma on your sexual organs leaves someone, because this isn't done at birth. This is usually done at four, five, six years old. Prior to them coming into sexual maturity, 
But it, this isn't done in their infancy when they don't when they're not going to remember or recall sexual trauma. So with I don't want to get crazy about it, but th- that would be my opinion. That's the difference. And I agree with you. Circumcision is weird and it's unnecessary and I think terrible. However, it's it's like comparing a, a fucking hangnail to having your finger chopped off, in my opinion. Well, there's another difference between the two, which is some studies have shown like benefits to male circumcision, like reduced HIV um, rates. Oh, really? Or, or reduced possibility of a tra- of contracting HIV. I didn't know that. I'm reading that from the CDC, so I'm questioning I'm- myself as I say it, but I'm reading it from the CDC. Is that what you pulled off, Mike, for a second? Yeah, because I'm like, uh, is this? But it's a C. Okay, so but there have been some research, you know, sure releases saying that there are some health benefits. It's weird. I think that's weird, but if that's what they're releasing, but I haven't seen anything like that from female genital mutilation type stuff. Like, what kind of benefits? is to be derived from yeah, hacking it, off the clitoris with a stone. I just don't think that there's it any... It makes the dad feel real good that his daughter is not going to have pleasure sexually. I mean, that's... Listen, it's a barbaric cultural practice. No one's going to argue that circumcision is not. Or no one, you know, who's having a, an honest fucking conversation. But I think that they are, while not apples and oranges, they're, they're both apples and apples... But one is a crab apple, and one is a giant red delicious apple. Huh? Yeah, that's okay. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I, I mean, really, that's it. If you listen, if you'd like to talk about it, I I think it's an important enough thing that if, if this is a passion of yours, Adam, I wouldn't mind having you on, having a little conversation via the telephone or the Skypes. Well, for sure, and and anyone else who wants to contribute, sure. because if we're being misguided. I for sure want to know about that. And like you, like you said, it is weird, especially in those religious communities where like they put their mouth on. Yeah. During the bris, they have a moil and a Jewish, it's the ceremony, the bris where they circumcise the baby. I don't want to hear about it. I'm just going to vaguely talk about it. The rabbi, the moil cuts the the foreskin and then sucks it off with his mouth, putting his mouth on the infant's penis and there have been cases where genital herpes is contracted by the child during this insane, abusive, as far as I'm concerned, child molestation, cultural, culturally sh- sanctioned. Ah, I see I'm getting all worked up. Anyway, <laughs> if you want to talk about this, if this is your thing, your pet thing that you're super into, I respect that. I get that. I don't disagree with you. I just think that one doesn't really compare to the other in its the damage that it does. Again, 657-464-7609. Adam, of course, you know our email address. I doubt it at dollamore.com because you've already used it. We'd love to hear from you or anybody else. Another piece of follow-up today before we move on to Dollamocracy would be a few months ago, we covered a story about a Florida gun supply store that declared themselves a Muslim free zone. As a matter of reminder, let's see if this clip rings a bell. So effective immediately, I'm declaring Florida gun supply as a Muslim free zone. I will not arm and train those who wish to do harm to my fellow patriots. 
The jihadists said they would do it, and they have. They said they live among us, and they do. We must be prepared, diligent, and equipped to handle any situation that might come our way. Did you hear that, Brittany? I sure did. Vigilant. Not vigilant. Vigilant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a cross, I think, between diligent and vigilant. Or He's- it's just him trying to say vigilant and he can't. <laughs> he is from Florida. You know, not to impugn the intelligence of all our listeners in Florida, but that guy is a dunce. Anyway, he was taken to court by the Council on American-Islamic Relations, otherwise known as CARE. And the case has been adjudicated, and the result is... The ruling said that the Florida gun supply owner, Andy Hallinan, is protected by the First Amendment, and the activists couldn't show that they were injured. Hmm. So, what the next stage of this, I think probably what happened was no Muslims were actually turned away. He has a sign that says no Muslims, but that's just a sign. And unless he actually physically refuses business on the basis of their religion, then he's covered. I mean, does that sound? I mean, it is Florida. Who knows? Yeah, I have. There's a federal judge, though. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I mean, so care couldn't show that they were injured. Yeah. So I don't know what that means. They couldn't show. They didn't have proof. I mean, I don't know. Well, like he he could have been turning people away, but maybe they didn't have any proof of that. Hmm. I mean, what do they have to do? They have to record on their cell phone. How would they get proof that he's turning people away? Anyway, well, listen, if if there's a big sign that says no freakish redheads allowed, it's not a place I want to go. I want to go where I'm welcome, where they appreciate my money. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think it's likely that Muslims are smart people. They're just like, yeah, fuck that guy. I'm not going in there. That would be the wise thing to do. <laughs> I mean, he has this Confederate flag waving behind him in his YouTube video. Yeah, so. right. Just, ta- t- you know, tacked up to a window. Anyway, that happened. And then before we move on, we want to really good news. We've been talking for a long time about Raif Badawi, who is a Saudi blogger who was sentenced to 10 years in prison and a thousand lashes. And there's movement in that case as well. It's being reported that his sentence was suspended. Quote, a royal pardon is in the works thanks to the head of state, King Salman bin Abdulaziz al-Zad. Wow, oh, they're really good. You did that really well. Is that his name? Yeah, yeah. Are you joking? No, that's his name. I mean, it was clumsily said, but it was pronounced correctly as far as, you know, white people pronounce those names. All right. Non-Arabic speaking people pronounce those names. So people are still kind of apprehensive about this and since it isn't you know official yet yeah yeah they're still you know they're kind of waiting to celebrate i would say so although this is good news and it seems like everything will work out i think everyone's just kind of used to saudi arabia being dicks and so (laughs) they're a little oh it makes me real happy they are real happy when you say stuff like that everyone's just kind of you know waiting to see what happens before officially feeling happy absolutely well as they should you know i think waiting with uh, a little pensiveness is probably the wise course of action so that's good good to know good to hear and let's move on 
Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode, as much or as little as you'd like, comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. All right, before we move on and relative to the Patreon mid-roll, um, we have debates coming up this month and I just want to give a shout out to those who have supported us in doing our debate, our bonus debate episodes, that there are more coming this month and we are looking forward to doing them. So thank you very much. Dollamocracy 2016, facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So, this last week was was an odd week. A lot going on. A lot Donald Trump-related going on. We talked about last week his plan to create a database of Muslims in America, an ID-carrying situation which I equated to Nazi Germany, knowing the backlash of Godwin's law. Uh, It is an atrocious, ridiculous thing, and I'm not going to get fired up again about it. But I'm a little disappointed because he was on with Bill O'Reilly, whom I've had a tenuous relationship with. He's not a part of the relationship because he doesn't even know who I am. But he's a guy that I've had some modicum of respect for over the years. I know he's a blowhard. I know he's a bully. I know all of that. But there are times where I agree and I appreciate the work that he does. But this last week, I think he jumped the shark, if some of you know that reference. Um, And I don't know that I can get behind any more O'Reilly. He may have just burned the bridge to Jesse Dollimore's heart. How's that third person going? It's good. I just I'm staying out of this because it feels like it feels really personal again, <laughs> like all the orgasm and circumcision talk that you <laughs> laid down for everybody. It just feels like I shouldn't be a part of like this is your message to him, and no, I should just butt out. That's it's kinda... not. This isn't like a love. Listen, Bill, dear Bill. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels. Well, last week Donald Trump tweeted a meme of crime statistics in America. Bill O'Reilly's going to get to the numbers of it exactly, but he retweeted this tweet from a racist account. And these numbers are completely fabricated. In fact, the source at the bottom of the meme says the San Francisco Society of Crime or whatever, something like that, and it doesn't even exist. So Bill O'Reilly had Donald Trump on to ostensibly get in his ass about this, and it ended up being a kid gloves bullshit session between these two clowns. Are you aware that the liberal media and the Democratic Party in general trying to paint you as a racist? Are you aware of that? I think so, but I think people know better than okay, that. I'm right. probably the least racist person on earth. Well, I've known you I think a long time, and I, don't, I, don't, I never saw any racism from you. However, when you tweet out a thing, and this bothered me, i got to tell you. You tweeted out that um, 
whites killed by blacks, these were statistics you picked up from somewhere, at a rate of 81%. And that's totally wrong. Um, whites killed by blacks is 15%. Yet you tweeted it was 81%. Now, Bill, I didn't tweet. I retweeted somebody that was supposedly yeah, an expert, but you don't and it was be, also a radio show. Why do you want to be in that well, zone? Let, hey, Bill, Bill, am I going to check every statistic? I get millions and millions of people. You got it. You're a presidential Trump, contender. You I have millions check of people. You know what? Fine. But this came out of radio shows and everything else. Oh, come on. All radio shows? A retweet. I didn't say, excuse me. All it was is a retweet. It wasn't from me. For a guy who uses Twitter so adroitly, so skillfully, so artfully. He does? He knows how to get the masses riled up with Twitter. He's, a, he's an expert user of Twitter. For him to say... I didn't tweet. I retweeted. That is ridiculous. Everyone understands when they see that retweet from you that that is your tacit approval, agreement with that particular tweet, and that's why you're sharing it, because it backs up your particular racist narrative. Well, that's why people say in their Twitter bios, retweet does not equal endorsement. So if you want to retweet things without being responsible for them, Donald Trump, all you have to do is put that in your bio. <laughs> well, listen, he's not... Donald Trump, all you have to do is look at the precedent that he set with his Twitter account. It's It's... He doesn't go around tweeting a bunch of shit that's contrary to what he believes. He's a guy who tweet, retweets stuff that directly bolsters and agrees with and lines up with his his particular ethos. Right. He's not tweeting things to be like, ha ha, look at how dumb the other side is. Look at what they believe. Right, right, right. No, he's he's tweeting this because he believes it. And what's scary is, you know, Barack Obama has a Twitter account. So Barack Obama tweets. Right. Now... Fast forward to next year, and we have President Donald Trump tweeting uh, from the POTUS Twitter account. Right. That's <laughs> please, scary. Please just think of that. I mean, that's horrific. He's going to be talking about Megyn Kelly's vaginal blood and, and all this stuff from the Twitter account. I mean, this is horrific. And then he says, you know, he, he gets so much information, he can't fact check at all. Am I going to check every statistic? <laughs> Yes. Yes, you are. Yeah, absolutely you are. Or you're going to have one of your many campaign staffers do it. Right. Or you need to have people who are giving you the correct information. You can't just shoot this off on a whim. Well, I think we would be safe relative to a President Trump administration using Twitter because... I'm right. probably the least racist person on earth. Uh, we have nothing to fear, Brittany Page. He's the least racist person on earth. First of all, I love the Mexican people. How can I not love people that give me tens of millions of dollars for apartments? You have to love them. Somebody's doing the raping, Don. It's the Mexicans, Brittany. They're well, doing the raping. That's not racism. Well, and not only that, I mean, he tweeted this this meme, which, please, everybody, please, with the memes, I just stop. Yeah, okay? no shit. Just because it says USA Crime Statistics and it says the word source on it, doesn't yeah. mean that it is accurate or that it deserves to be shared. Go Google that. If you're going to share a meme, if you have to share a meme, Google the source. Google what it says to see if it's correct. That's the beauty of the time that we live in right now. Everything is checkable. Everything is verifiable. 
It's a beautiful time to be alive. Right. So his meme, the meme he tweeted says whites killed by blacks, 81%. And according to data from the Federal Bureau of Investigation's Uniform Crime Reports data for 2014, whites killed by blacks is 14.8%. Right. So not 81%. So what they're saying is of all the whites that are killed in this country... He said in his tweet, his retweet. I didn't tweet. I retweeted. He's, it's that 81% of all whites that are killed are killed by a black person or <laughs> many black people. <laughs> and the, the statistic is actually 15, 14, right. 15%, 14.8%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's He does have a responsibility to check his statistics. Am I going to check every statistic? Okay, and he also, this meme says whites killed by whites is 16%. No, whites killed by whites is 82.4%. Yes. So, you know, there's obviously a message that he was intending to convey with this meme. And it was inaccurate and racist. And he's still unwilling to take responsibility for it. He's well, still... Well, that's, that's par for the course for Donald Trump. He never says sorry or... or or takes responsibility for anything. I know. I just, I don't understand why he can't say, yeah, I should have fact checked that. Yeah, I shouldn't have retweeted it on a whim. You know, sorry about that. It won't happen good again. to me. Right. <laughs> well, listen, it really does go. And it's very alarming to me. It's very scary. These crowds that are showing up for Donald Trump. Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He might not be a racist. He might not be a bigot. But it makes me wonder when a large portion of his audience and his fandom and his support base, they are. I'm hearing all kinds of reports coming out of these different protesters that go to these events and then they come back and say, you know, it's one thing I got thrown out, whatever, I kind of expected that. But what I didn't expect and what's really scary is the conversations that I hear all around me from these Trump reporters, these Trump supporters, um, that I haven't killed. Man, I just really want to kill somebody. I mean, some of this might be salacious and might not be true, but some of this seems kind of -of run-of-the-mill, racist, ignorant talk. That they want to kill somebody? No, not that. That's radical. But like, you know, making fun of Muslims and get them all out of the country, mm-hmm. you know, really ultimately talking about making this a white country again, mm-hmm. which I don't know that it ever was a completely white country. Well, they like to but believe yeah, that. Yeah, they, they want to have it be that. They like to dream of a diversity-free country. Right. White supremacists. And that is largely, I don't know that I would go as far as to say majority, but that is largely what Donald Trump enjoys in his supporters. Well, the interview continued and it got more uncomfortable for me, not for them. All it was is a retweet. It wasn't from me and it did. It come out came out of a radio show uh, and other be places because you see all the names. Look, you know I'm looking out for you, right? You know that? Yeah, I'm looking out for you. I look out for every honest politician. I don't care what party they're in. Don't do this. Don't put your name on stuff like this, because it makes the other side, it gives them stuff 
to tell the ill-informed voter that you're a racist. I mean, just he just handed well, him the platter. This was a retweet. Bill, I'm sure you're looking out for me. All Everybody right. is, right? Yeah. Uh, this was a retweet. This yeah. was a retweet. All right, whatever it is. And it came I told from you you shouldn't tweet ever. Very credible. You shouldn't be I tweeting. Don't tweet. Give it All up right. for Lent. Lent sure. is coming soon. Okay, give good. it up. Several things. Um, Bill O'Reilly says that this is going to make the ill-informed voter think that he's a racist. Well, where would Trump be without ill-informed vo- ill-informed voters? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. Second of all, when he said, you know, I have your back. Okay. All your journalistic integrity is out the window with that statement. Look, you know, I'm looking out for you, right? You know that? And then he says, I look out for everybody, only like to save his ass after he just said, I'm looking out for you. You know that, right? And then he kind of, maybe that isn't, I'm looking out for everybody. Everybody I look out for. Well, the question (laughs) I have for for O'Reilly, I have two questions. One would be, what happened there? What are you doing? Giving campaign advice, unsolicited campaign advice. Here's what you should be doing. If you want to be on the staff, just ask for a fucking job, O'Reilly. Well, yeah. And then the second thing I would ask would be, is Donald Trump circumcised? Because you had your mouth all around his dick and balls right there. And that is bullshit. From uh, Listen, we know you're an opinion guy. But try to keep the curtain up. This, cur- this facade that you're somewhat independent. God damn. It was a little disturbing. And like you said, he is giving him campaign advice. The, the advice being, can you try not to make everybody you know, aware of the fact you're a racist? <laughs> that's almost what he said. Because that's a problem yeah. and it's not going to be helpful <laughs> to you in the future. Right. Don't put your name on stuff that will make everybody know how you feel about things. And don't put your mouth on stuff either, O'Reilly. <laughs> Thank you. The views and opinions expressed by Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis. And so the other thing that happened this week, you may have heard, is that Donald Trump and all of his class and all of his genuine humanist attitude toward those who have issues and are less fortunate than him, he... Was being, he's being slammed by not only the New York Times, but, you know, a large swath of America because he is he got busted on camera again, this time mocking a disabled reporter while defending his claim that he saw thousands of Muslims in Jersey City, New Jersey, which is right across the river from New York City. I mean, right across the river, that he saw thousands of Muslims with his own eyeballs in Jersey City, New Jersey, celebrating on 9-11 that the towers had been taken down. It's, and talking about northern New Jersey draws the prober's eye, written by a nice reporter. Now the poor guy, you got to see this guy. Oh, I don't know what I said. Ah, oh, I don't remember. He's going like, I don't remember. I, oh, maybe that's what I said. And if you watch what he says, the way he says this, he puts his hand up in this contorted way that when compared to a picture of Serge Kovaleski, who is a reporter for the New York Times, it's, 
it is eerily similar, I think beyond coincidence, that it's ridiculously close to the way Serge's hand is because of his his muscular skeletal um, disability that he has. Right. He has a condition that affects joint movement. And so one of his hands is up near his chest and kind of in a fist. Kind of rigor. Right. And it's it's like that in every picture I've seen of him and even when I've seen him talking on TV. Right. And when Donald Trump does this, his exact same hand that this reporter has up because of his condition, Donald Trump has up. Right. So when you see them side by side, it's the same hand that's up in the same position. Yeah. Now, that's a pretty big coincidence for someone that Trump is now claiming that he's never seen, that he doesn't know who he is. So he could, you know, he has no idea. Well, he has said that he's never laid eyes on this man. He doesn't know who he is, except for the fact that Serge Kovaleski is saying that he did a piece on him several years ago in the late 90s. And they were on a first name basis. And he had done several interviews with Trump in his office. Right. Serge says that he met him repeatedly, interviewing him in his office, talking to him at news conferences when he worked for the New York Daily News in the late 1980s. Oh, 80, 1980. He said they were on a first name basis for years. Right. Years. So Donald Trump, apparently, it looks as though he might just be completely lying about this. Not surprisingly. Right. Well, now he's accusing the reporter of using his disability to grandstand. Uh, no shame. No shame. No integrity. And this is the man who leads the Republican race right now. Okay. I just want to say one thing. Donald Trump released a statement about this. And he says, quote, despite having one of the all-time great memories, I certainly do not remember him. <laughs> This is literally something that he said. That he has one of the all-time great memories, like he's Rain Man or well, something? No, no, no. Despite having one of the all-time great memories, oh. he certainly doesn't remember Serge. God damn. It, it, seriously, it's, it is bizarre. The things, it's almost like he's trying to, to raise the bar to epic levels of craziness to see what it's going to take to get him to not get the nomination. Now Donald Trump is doing what Donald Trump typically does, and he's lashing out at the New York Times, where this reporter works. Right. And he's saying that, you know, this failing company is getting ready to go under if they don't apologize to yeah, Donald Trump. Them and Macy's. <laughs> right. He's going he's gonna to have all his Twitter followers not read the New York Times and send it under. Yeah, I'm sure all of Donald Trump's supporters are big New York Times readers. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway... He, he's been on, obviously, he's on a, a campaign tour constantly. And this was on November 28th, two days ago for you. And he was in Sarasota, Florida, and he's talking about, again, the reporter thing. But that's not really what this clip's about. This clip is about him because he's had to kind of back away from this claim that he saw thousands of Muslims with his own eyes celebrating the Twin Towers coming down. So he again says that it happened. He tries to get the crowd behind him to say they saw it too. And then he kind of backs away from it. He's backing that down a little bit by claiming that it was a global phenomenon, which that might be true. 
because I talked about Muslims that were celebrating over in parts of New Jersey. And everybody knows it's true. And by the way, by the way, I had hundreds of tweets and hundreds and hundreds of phone calls to my office saying, Mr. Trump, it's true. They said, I saw it. So I made the statement and a lot of people saw it. Did anybody see it reported? People saw it. Okay, so I made the statement. I didn't think it was a big deal because I thought everybody knew. And by the way, everybody admits worldwide the Muslims were absolutely going wild. In fact, at a soccer game a couple of days ago, did you see that? Where the people started screaming all sorts of things that were very, very insulting to a lot of people during the game, during like a minute of silence. Many, many, many people in that stadium were not so. When they were looking at the problem with Paris, that horrible, horrible carnage that took place in Paris. So. So he's. He's sticking by the the New Jersey happening. But then he says, well, the worldwide thing, well, it absolutely happened. (laughs) Well, if you saw the New Jersey thing happen, didn't it also absolutely happen? Donald Mm -hmm. Trump. Mm hmm. Ugh. Anyway, he's not the only one who is up in the mix with this whole we I watched it with my own eyes. New Jersey Muslims celebrating 9-11. Ben Carson, it wouldn't be a day without Ben Carson jumping on the bandwagon and saying something stupid, ridiculous, and as far as I'm concerned, a lie. He was asked by a reporter about this very happening. He says he saw it, and then he was asked to double down. Are you sure? Are you sure? He thought about it. And lied. Dr. Kirsten, were American Muslims in New Jersey cheering on 9-11 when the, when the towers fell? Did you hear about that or see that? Yeah. Yes. Can you expand on that? Uh, well, you know, there are going to be people who respond inappropriately to virtually everything. I think that was an inappropriate response. I don't know if on the basis of that you can say all Muslims are bad people. I, I really think that would be a stretch. But did you see that happening, though, on 9-11? I saw the, the film of it. Yeah. In New Jersey? Yeah. Dr. Bosa, just to follow up on my on my question of 9-11, you say you saw the film. Um, what film are you referring to? Where did the, you see the, it? The news reels. The news coverage from the time of 9-11? Correct. Okay. Asked multiple times, and each time says that he saw it with his own eyes. That happening. Well, he is giving his campaign fits. Doug Watts, Carson's communications director, said Carson confused protests in the Middle East after the 9-11 attacks, which were documented at the time, with the New Jersey protests Trump has been referring to. Quote, Dr. Carson does not stand behind the statement attributed to him earlier today regarding events surrounding 9-11. He does not believe Muslim Americans in New Jersey were celebrating the fall of the Twin Towers. Rather, he recalls the ample news footage of crowds in the Middle East celebrating the tragic events of 9-11. He found their jubilation inappropriate and disturbing, but did not and does not consider it representative of the Muslim American population or the Muslim population at large. It was a mistake on his part, and he clearly wasn't really thinking about New Jersey. He was thinking about the Middle East. Do you guys believe me? Does it work? Are you guys, <laughs> do you guys think this is true? 
End quote. Well, I mean, that he was asked multiple times. Are you sure you really New Jersey? You saw you saw the film of it. You, what do you mean by the film of it? Oh, the news reports about New Jersey. Yep. Yep. I'm sure. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't it be nice to have a communications director come out and say what you do and do not believe after you say something stupid? Well, let right. me correct what Brittany has said here. Right. She does not believe this. Who's running for president here? <laughs> the 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 campaign the campaign staffer or Ben Carson, who clearly can't tell the truth to save his life? I know. What is he? He's just spouting off whatever pops into uh, his head. I mean, that's damn not good. So anyway. Let's move on to another candidate. Jeb Bush was, well, we're kind of moving on to another candidate because Jeb Bush was talked, was asked about Trump on the sun, one of the Sunday shows. I believe this is Face the Nation. And this is what he had to say. One of your security advisors, John Noonan, referred to Donald Trump and his plan for registering Muslims. He called him a fascist. Do you agree with that? Look, I just think he's he's uninformed. He is uh, he knows what he's saying. He's smart. He's playing you guys like a fiddle, the press, by saying outrageous things, and uh, garnering attention. That's his strategy: is to dominate the news. The simple fact is that he's been wrong on Syria and on the refugees pretty consistently, and no one's holding him to account. He first said we should we had no interest in being involved in Syria. Then he said let the Russians take out ISIS. Then he said let ISIS take out Assad. Back and forth it goes, and the net effect of this is, in these really serious times, he's not a serious leader. So why, if he became the nominee, would you still support him as you've pledged to? Look, I've said, because anybody is better than Hillary Clinton. Let me just be clear about that. But I have great doubts about Donald Trump's ability to be commander-in-chief. I really do. Um, I, I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt to see how the campaign unfolded. But if you listen to him talk, uh, it's it's... It's kind of scary, to be honest with you, because he's not a serious candidate. He doesn't talk about, about the, uh, the issues at hand that are of national security importance for our country. To keep us safe is the first priority of the president. And he's all over the map, uh, misinformed at best, and preying on people's fear at worst. How would any of that specifically be better than Hillary Clinton? Well, I'll let the voters decide uh, about Donald Trump. I'm pretty confident that the more they hear of him, the less likely it is he's going to get the Republican nomination. Here's the problematic thing with what's happening and why Jeb Bush, and I'm not one to make a bunch of excuses for Jeb Bush, but here's the problematic thing is Donald Trump in a lot of ways has the Republican Party over a barrel because if he doesn't feel he's been treated right, that quote unquote pledge that he signed to back the eventual Republican nominee, he will use it to wipe his ass <laughs> like he does his w- with his golden toilet paper. He will. And he will run as an independent, which will absolutely, without a doubt, give the race to the Democrats. I know people still talk about this contract that he signed, like it's some sort of legal binding document. Right, right. Donald Trump doesn't care about that document that he signed. Yeah, it was a pledge. It's he's, not a legal contract. He's mocking disabled people. You think he cares about a little piece of paper that he signed, some agreement that he made with someone? Right. No, he doesn't. Clearly not. Will you please? He has filed for bankruptcy. His companies have filed for bankruptcy four separate times. He's not so big on agreements and about obligations. There is no evidence whatsoever that he will keep that quote-unquote pledge. But this is what's weird about 
um, political partisanship, right? Jeb Bush loathes Donald Trump. Yeah. He would give anything to say, yeah, I hate that guy, but he can't. And he still is saying that he would support him. Well, he kind of has to if he wants his party to prevail. Because if he starts shitting down the throat of Donald Trump, then what's going to happen? Donald's going to run as an independent, which he might do anyway. That's what I'm saying. It's a tenuous situation for any of these Republicans. Okay, well, it's unfortunate for Jeb Bush that he's in that situation. But you know who's not in that situation are average Republican You're voters. You're right. That's right. Who are defending Donald Trump because... He has an R in front of his name. Right. And you don't need to do that. Nope. You you can just understand that he is a, you know, uh, not a great person. <laughs> And to put it mildly, yeah, and and that, like Jeb Bush was saying, it's not true that anybody is better than Hillary Clinton, right? So, I understand that you know you need to please your party and you need to be a good Republican, Jeb Bush, but that's not true for other Republicans. Absolutely, there are several Republicans in the race who are not better than Hillary Clinton, and this is coming from a guy who's not a fan of Hillary Clinton. Anyway, he's not the only one, Jeb Bush, who is being critical of Donald Trump. In fact, my former favorite in the Republican race, John Kasich, has opened up with all barrels. He is, uh, <laughs> he is he's, he's not holding anything back with three separate commercials that he has released featuring Donald Trump. Should there be a database system that tracks the Muslims here in this country? There should be a lot of systems beyond database. I mean, we should have a lot of systems. And today you can do it. Have it something your White House would like to Oh, I would certainly implement that. Absolutely. Have it something your White House would like to Oh, I would certainly implement that. Absolutely. I was really responding to a totally different reporter. He was responding to that reporter, where basically the suggestion was made. And I don't even know who he was. He's a guy with a camera, and he was asking questions. He said, I think he was from but you couldn't hear anything because I was signing books, and there was music blaring in the background. So I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it very clearly. Yeah, but that's something your White House would like to Oh, I would certainly implement that. Absolutely. Clear that up. Are you unequivocally now ruling out a database on all Muslims? No, not at all. I want a database for the uh, refugees that if they come into the country. We have no idea who these people are. Pretty good. Now, I'm going to play... Th that was one of three that I'm going to play. Two of these are from the Kasich campaign. So they are what is called hard money. They are coming out of the campaign budget. And then the other one, I believe the one I'm getting ready to play now, is from New Day New Day in America or something. New Day for America, maybe? I think that's it. It's the it's the Kasich Super PAC, which is what's called soft money, which is unlimited. It's you know, it's it's what's the problem in American politics right now, or at least American politics financing. Right. And I wanna say that I feel like this is kind of a last ditch effort for Kasich mm -hmm. because the Quinnipiac polls that just came out a couple of days ago have him at 1%. So yeah. he's he's not doing as well as he was, well, unfortunately. He needs, he needs to go anyway if he's really 
going to be pandering like he is and saying we need a religious agency to promote Judeo-Christian values. But I, I guess maybe his thinking is on my way out, I might as well ta- try to take Donald Trump sure, down. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I, that's actually, I never thought of that. Kind of throwing himself on the grenade. Mm-hmm. And Donald Trump being the grenade. <laughs> so here's another one that he put out about Donald Trump. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war Five hero. And a half years He's a war hero because he was captured. If Ivanka weren't my daughter, perhaps I'd be dating her. You know? <laughs> Stop it. Oh, it's so weird. <laughs> I have a great relationship with the blacks. I have, I've always had a great relationship with the blacks. The blacks. Well, I just don't respect her as a journalist. You know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes, uh, blood coming out of her wherever. Somebody's doing the raping, Don. I mean, you know, it's, I mean, somebody's doing the, you think it's women being raped. Well, who's doing the raping? The belt moves this way. It moves this way. How stupid are the people of Iowa? <laughs> that is a great commercial. What is he talking about? If, if Ivanka wasn't my daughter, yeah. I'd be I'd be dating her probably. Well, that's creepy. Because she's just young enough and just sexy enough for me, Donald Trump. I know. It's creepy. Uh, with, with the way he is with women, he should not be talking like that to his daughter. It is gross. It is very creepy. It is, it is anti-evolutionary. <laughs> yes. He, he <laughs> it's, is, yes. He, he's that's an true. anomaly. He's, he's a freak of nature. Well, when you wow. have the inflated ego that he has, I don't know, maybe he's not really in touch with reality. She was sitting right next to him when he said it, too, on yep. the couch. Yep. It's Goddamn. It just gets more creepy. So here is a third, and this one deals directly with, just like the first one did, this, this idea that we're going to have some kind of a database based on people's religious practice. And... I am not, you know, I think the audience knows me well enough to know I'm not one to ever toot my horn, Brittany Page. Um, I think we, we are aware That's of not me. a lot of horn tooting. That's not the kind of guy that I am, Brittany Page. I don't like to toot my own horn. The tooting of the horn's excessive around here. <laughs> well, anyway, when I went off on my jag the other day talking about... <laughs> The uh, just the the complete and utter anti unconstitutional, I guess would be the term, the unconstitutional nature of his plan, and the anti liberty, just how just fucking terrible it is. I I read that quote from the Niemöller, mm-hmm. the pastor, or the father, or whatever he is, that religious character, and about they came for me and that's I didn't. right. Mm-hmm. And they have this retired Air Force general in this commercial reading that same quote. Anyway, I just wanted to take a moment out to Mm. not. I wanted to take a moment out to absolutely not toot my own horn. For the prognostication. I would like anyone who is listening to consider some thoughts that I paraphrase from the words of German pastor Martin Niemöller. You might not care. Donald Trump says Muslims must register with their government because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump says he's going to round up all the Hispanic immigrants because you're not one. And you might not care if Donald Trump says it's okay to rough up black protesters because you're not one. 
you might not care if Donald Trump wants to suppress journalists because you're not one. But think about this. If he keeps going and he actually becomes president, he might just get around to you. And you better hope that there's someone left to help you. That is uh, powerful. Real, real good. And it's only better with the dramatic music that plays much longer than it should. I think I need to contact the Kasich campaign and maybe (laughs) help them do a little mixing of their volume of their audio tracks there. Because it was a little too much music and not enough of the very poignantly reworded statement that he made based on Niemöller's quote, which was that what he did was way better than what I did, which was just quoting Niemöller. He really put it into today's terms, which is awesome. Yeah. And it was really powerful. But do you think these commercials are going to do anything? I think that last one might. I don't know. I I think... Yeah. I think these kind of things do help. Look... People always say, oh, we're not going to go negative. We're not going to go negative in our commercials. We're not going to go negative in the campaign. That's all that ever happens. Yeah, but the thing is, the reason that's all that ever happens is because it's effective. It works. And if they use these correctly in Iowa at the right times, you know, with the right demographic facing, it is, it could be big time. And it might even boost Kasich's profile. I don't know, going from 1%, it's a little late in the game, but... So, speaking of Iowa, would you like to review quickly the latest Quinnipiac poll? Not really, but we we need to. Donald Trump gets 25% of Iowa likely Republican caucus participants in a too-close-to-call race with Senator Ted Cruz Uh, of Texas, who is at 23%. Man. He has doubled his support from four weeks ago. Apocalypse, folks. Uh, fucking apocalypse. Dr. Ben Carson has 18% with Senator Marco Rubio at 13%. Wow. So that that is the new top four. Trump, Cruz, Carson, and Rubio. And let us not forget that Ted Cruz was one of the individuals at the Kevin Swanson Religious Freedom Conference. That's right. Where Kevin Swanson broke down crying about Harry Potter and how to train your dragon. Right. And screaming about the execution of gays being called for and commanded in the Bible and that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is not afraid to align himself with the words of God. I mean, he did say that they should be given time to repent <laughs> before apparently the the killing starts, uh, according to Kevin Swanson. So some, I hope that he's like on a watch list somewhere, but... The truth wiener, Kevin Swanson. Yes. So this Quinnipiac poll has Kasich at 1%, Pataki, Gilmore, Graham, not even registering. Right. Santorum's at 2, Christie's at 2, Fiorina's at, Fiorina's at 3, Bush is at 4%. Wow. Yeah. He was the heir apparent and no good. Rand Paul's at 5%, which is interesting. Yeah. So the next debate is, I believe, December 15th. Yeah, that's right. And it will be interesting to see who will be on the stage. I wonder kind of how they're going to do the polling for this one. Yeah. Well, there's still time. Another couple of weeks for things to get, we can see some movement. 
anyway, let's let's get off of politics and into something. You know, we've been seeing a lot going on on college campuses and, you know, refusing or disinviting people that they've invited because they don't agree with what they think or what they say with these in Yale uh, people being accosted physically accosted on campus because of emails that are sent out saying it's not really our job to police what kind of costumes our students our adult students wear uh, university of missouri where their she uh, professors are calling for muscle to get reporters away from protesters all kinds of craziness has been going on with trigger warnings and microaggressions and all these new words and concepts that are out there right now. Well, Pew. Pew, 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 Pew just did some research and just released some data. And apparently 40% of millennials need to be brushed up in their knowledge of just how important and integral the First Amendment of the Constitution is to the American way of life. American millennials are far more likely than older generations to say the government should be able to prevent people from saying offensive statements uh, about minority groups. Wow. Pew Research asked whether people believe that citizens should be able to make public statements that are offensive to minority groups or whether the government should be able to prevent people from saying these things. Four in ten millennials say the government should be able to prevent people publicly making statements that are offensive to minority groups, while 58% said such speech is okay. Well, here, here's, the, here's the problem, and I don't know if the language there on the, the 58% that it's okay. The problem is, is that the speech isn't okay, but it's legal. Well, it's people should be able to say these things publicly, Government should be able to prevent people from saying these things publicly. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So I that's see. the distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is fine. That is a fine distinction. Right. It's not that this speech is... No, hey, it's okay. Great. Yeah. Oh, you're racist? Good to go. <laughs> right. It's that speech should be protected. Yes. It's just... Uh, what is happening with this younger generation, and you're closer to them, if not in that generation, than I am, what do you think the deal is with your, your peers? And I don't... I don't think that you consider them your peers, especially not maybe, you know, intellectually. <laughs> At least I wouldn't. What, what, you know, your finger is closer to the pulse than mine. What do you think? Well, I don't know because I don't, you know, all the stuff that's happening on college campuses, I've always gone to, I've always been a commuter student. That's what they would call me because yeah. I've always worked while going to school. You're not wearing sweatshirts with the, the mascot. Well, then your your mascot's a, a fat elephant, so... A titan. It's an elephant. Yeah. yeah. And so I've always, <laughs> you know, I've never... I'm always that student that's kind of a problem that's not, you know, taking part in campus life. Like, the one they always kind of want to get back in yeah, to things, yeah, yeah. and they want to recruit into the clubs and stuff. But I've always had jobs, and I've always been working, so I'm not and really... And you got a podcast you got to do. You got a show. You have an audience that you have obligations to. You don't have time for that bullshit, all that craziness. Yeah, so I'm just saying I'm not in a sorority, and <laughs> I, you know I'm not on campus, right? Mixing it up with people a lot in terms of you know 
the controversy that goes on on campuses where they are standing out there protesting things and, you know, whatever's going on. So I don't know, but it's I understand that people don't want people to say hateful things. But the thing is, the government can't prevent people from saying things. Right. And once we step into this territory where, yes, the government should be able to prevent this group from saying what they want to say, where does it end? And that's it's right. it's a scary it's a scary domain to get into, and that's why it's best to leave it up to individuals. When you hear someone being racist, to say, "Hey, I'm going to challenge you on your racism, and I'm not going to let this go silent." Well, he, here I, I'm sorry. Here's what I think the deal is: is that millennials, and I think this forty percent is largely probably liberal, you know, college age liberal kids, and they've all their adult life have known Barack Obama, liberal Democrat, to be the government. That is what they see as the government. And they're not thinking, they can't imagine a time when there might be a Donald Trump as the government. They, they can't see a time when there might be a Mike Huckabee who's in charge, who gets to choose what speech is okay and what speech isn't okay. That is why the Constitution is very, very clear about the freedom of speech, the freedom of expression that we have in this country. It doesn't matter who's in office. It needs to be protected from the tyrants that might hold office. So from this Pew research, those most likely to say the government should prevent people from saying these things are millennials, women, Democrats, non-white, and high school or less in terms of education. Those yeah. were the highest percentage points in each demographic. Hmm. So you're right about the Democrat situation. Isn't that what you said? <laughs> but <laughs> it's also concerning because this is another point that you usually hear when you talk about free speech, which is you want to know who the dicks are out in the world. Absolutely. And how else are you supposed to figure that out until you hear them talk? Right. Yeah. So everyone should have the freedom to say whatever they want to say. And everyone should have the freedom to say whatever they want to say to that person saying it. And this keeps us in a forward moving society where we can exchange ideas. Move the conversation forward. Or have posts deleted on Facebook (laughs) after you (laughs) devote a lot of time and energy. Brittany's favorite thing today, by the way. Mm -hmm. You're a glutton for punishment. Mm hmm. You know, Christopher Hitchens said something super, super profound in one of his speeches he's given on on freedom of speech. And in it, the thing that really struck me was that not only should you fight for someone's freedom of speech when they're saying something you disagree with to protect your future speech, but you're also fighting for your right to hear what they're saying. You have a, you have a right to hear that just as much as they have a right to say it. And so if you cut them off and you remove their freedom of speech, you're also in turn removing your freedom to hear that shitty opinion. Well, and he uses the great example of a Holocaust denier. And he talks about how if someone is denying the Holocaust, it creates the perfect opportunity for you to go back and figure out why it is you believe the Holocaust happened 
and to go through this process of formulating all your facts again. Well, well, why do I believe this? Now I'm going to challenge this person and we are going to have the the open exchange of ideas. Awesome. And I'm going to argue with this person. Yeah. So listen, if <laughs> I you, mean, it's just it's beautiful. If you know a millennial who is among this 40 percent, I'd love to talk to him. It would be respectful. It would be part of what we do on the show, moving the conversation forward. Please turn them on to us. Tweet them. 657-464-7609. Of course, email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We really do want to hear from you. One more Pew thing before we get out of here, and that is something similar to a thing Martin O'Malley said at the last debate, which is about net immigration with Mexicans and the really the data is pretty surprising the Pew Research report is titled more Mexicans leaving than coming to the US net loss of 140,000 from 2009 to 2014 due to family reunification that's the top reason for them returning home yeah from 2009 to 2014 1 million Mexicans and their families including including U.S.-born children, left the U.S. for Mexico, according to data from the 2014 Mexican National Survey of Demographic Dynamics. U.S. census data for the same period show an estimated 870,000 Mexican nationals left Mexico to come to the U.S., a smaller number than the flow of families from the U.S. to Mexico. So when you talk about Donald Trump saying that his number one priority is building a wall... Yeah, his number one priority is Operation Wetback the second, you know, a continuation of the Eisenhower policy of the 50s. You got to love Ike. He's a great guy. You know, what, what's the saying? I like Ike. I like Ike. Ugh. Well, this is this is important data. Yeah. And th- the numbers don't lie. Facts don't lie. It, it's, it's hard to weasel out of this. I mean, you still claim you saw... People jumping from the Twin Towers with your bionic four-mile vision since your apartment is four miles away from the Twin Towers, Donald Trump. Clown. Anyway, sorry. Let's get back to this. Yeah. So there is a a net loss uh, on immigration from Mexico into the United States. Measuring migration flows between Mexico and the U.S. is challenging because there are no official counts of how many Mexican immigrants enter and leave the U.S. each year. This report uses the best available government data from both countries to estimate the size of these flows. The Mexican data sources, a national household survey, and two national censuses asked comparable questions about household members' migration to and from Mexico over the five years previous to each survey or census date. And... Like I said, they found that family reunification is the top reason for returning to Mexico. So getting the family back together in Mexico yeah. is why they And so return. not only is immigration not just a net zero, like Martin O'Malley said, it's actually la- we're losing population in this country based on the fact that pe- more people are leaving than are coming in. 
And they're also saying the decline of flow of Mexican immigrants to the U.S. is due to several reasons, not just the family reunification. The slow recovery of the U.S. economy after the Great Recession may have made the U.S. less attractive to potential Mexican migrants. Yeah, sure. And may have pushed out some Mexican immigrants as the U.S. job market deteriorated. In addition, stricter enforcement of U.S. immigration laws, particularly at the U.S.-Mexican border, may have contributed to the reduction of Mexican immigrants coming into the U.S. in recent years. That's good. I mean, that's those are good numbers, good statistics to have. Am I going to check every statistic? We are. <laughs> well, and he's we not, apparently, given yeah. the, the, the wall. Right. But so there's several things we didn't talk about. The Planned Parenthood shooting and the Chicago situation. Yeah. Well, we... We're not talking about the uh, the 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 Colorado the Colorado Springs thing because we're waiting to see. There's really nothing to report other than it happened. We don't know his motives. We don't know. There's a lot of shit going on politically right now, being said, being pro- proclaimed, and it's irresponsible on both sides of it. So we're gonna we'll tackle it probably next time when there's more information to actually talk about something with a substantive eye. Anyway, all right, well, that is it. We love you. We appreciate you. If you haven't yet reviewed the podcast on iTunes, please take some time and go do that for us. It helps us out a lot. We appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you interacting with the show. Again, the phone number 657-464-7609. We want to hear from you. Until next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. We are getting lots of deets. (laughs) 